It's lovely, isn't it? Whether you're a regular here at the church or just visiting, it's wonderful that we can all share in the joy of Christmas together. Over the last few weeks, we've been lighting uh, different candles, helping us as a church to prepare for Christmas. And this morning, my right-hand man is Justin. He's going to help us light the final candle as we give thanks for Christmas. So, Justin, up we come. Fab job, Justin. Well done. Well done. You can sit down. Good job. Great. And Eliza's going to come and read to us to remind us what that candle is all about. Thanks, Eliza. We light this Christmas candle to remind us that Jesus is the light of the world. Isaiah writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thank you. Father God, thank you so much for Christmas. Thank you that we can gather here some 2,000 years later and remember the birth of Jesus, that we can truly acknowledge and rejoice in the blessing that it is. Lord, we often forget why we celebrate this time of year. Help us to focus on Jesus this Christmas. Help us to draw nearer to you and accept the greatest gift, the gift that undeservedly allows us to have a personal relationship with you. Forgive us when we box up or minimise the true meaning of Christmas. Help us to rather rejoice in it and make it central. Lord, we are also mindful of the many people here and across the world for which Christmas is difficult. Those who have lost loved ones, many older people for which this may be a really lonely time of year, those under persecution. Lord, we particularly remember and pray for Syrian Christians at this time. We ask that you would grant them peace and they would continue trusting in you. Father, thank you for this day. We would ask that we would enjoy it and most importantly, remember you as the giver of all good things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our readings this morning come from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was made with God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that had been made. In him was life. And the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives life to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. 
the second passage fast-forwards to when Jesus was a man. At the start of his ministry, Jesus called his disciples to follow him. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses spoke about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Thank you, Jill, very much for reading. Uh, Well, as uh, Jill explained, there were two little readings there, one focusing on the birth of Jesus and one fast-forwarding 30 years to when Jesus began his ministry. And I want to just spend a few moments now jumping between these two readings to help us to reflect on all that Christmas means. Uh, I made a fatal mistake yesterday. Okay, if you're a fella and it's in the fridge, what does it mean? You can eat it, right? That's just fair enough. You're getting a nod from a man up here. If it's in the fridge, it's fair game. Wrong. (laughs) Yesterday, lunchtime, I was home alone. My wife was working. I thought I'd tuck into a lovely mushroom omelette. Little did I know that the mushrooms were needed for Steph's nut roast for today. So all that meant is I had to trundle down to Waitrose. Now, Waitrose is a bad place to go at the best of times, but on Christmas Eve, it's a complete and utter nightmare. If you've been at Waitrose any time over Christmas, you'll know how focused people are. It's like they're blinkered, and they rush in, and all they've got to do is get everything that's on their list, and they're pushing people out of the way. It was extraordinary yesterday. A few people lined up to get their free cup of coffee, and one of the ladies who worked at Waitrose just tapped a guy on the shoulder and said, sorry, can I just jump in front? I just need to empty the bin where all of the coffee um, rubbish is, and then you can have your coffee. Probably took 20 seconds off his day. He started an argument with her. Pretty extraordinary. I just walked off thinking, very sad and laughing at the same time. It was just the Christmas rush. But I guess, if you're like me, Christmas has been a mad rush. Getting ready, it always is every year. But I just for a few moments want to help us to slow down, to really think about what Christmas is all about. And I want to do that by showing you three pictures. As you can tell, these three pictures have got a lot to do with Christmas. There's a signpost, there's a jar of Marmite, and there's an invitation, okay? So here's the three things we're going to think about together. I've met lots of people who have different opinions about the Bible and about the Christmas story. A lot of people say that it's all a myth. I mean, angels and a virgin birth, what's all that about? Can't possibly be true. Other people believe that the Christmas story is true, but would say it's irrelevant, How can a man who was born 2,000 years ago possibly have anything to do with me? Others would say, well, no, the Christmas story and the Bible and God, it's all very useful. The Bible's full of morality and teaches us how to live well, and we'd all be wise to listen to what God has to say. Understandable that these are different opinions people have, but I want to suggest to us, perhaps even challenge us this morning, that all those stereotypes of Christmas aren't true. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible, though it's 66 books, is actually one book, and it's a story, a story that has a start and a finish. The Bible starts with the beginning of time when God created the world, and it carries all the way through to a future time that has not yet come. It's a story. Now, the main character in the story is God, as you would expect. 
The main theme of the story in the Bible is relationship. And the main purpose of the Bible is so that you and I can know God. Now, perhaps you've got a dusty Bible sitting at home on a shelf. I bet for many of you, that's not what you thought the Bible was all about. But the amazing thing about this amazing story that started and is carrying on into the future is that God wants us to be a part of the story. He wants us to enter in to the story. And so we're going to have a look at three really simple and quick things this Christmas to help us to enter into that story. And we'll probably have a bit of a percussion in the background, which will help. Here's the first one. Jesus' birth was planned. Uh, Jesus, this is 30 years into Jesus' life. He's grown up, he begins his ministry, and he finds this guy, Philip, and says to Philip, come on, follow me. And then Philip goes to another bloke called Nathaniel and says, listen, we found the one who Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. He is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, what the prophets, what Moses did in the Old Testament, their role was to be a spokesperson for God, declaring God's promises to his people, warning God's people. But one of the things they did is they acted like a signpost, pointing people to a future time. And they were all getting ready. And Philip knew about this. He didn't know when this future time would be, but he knew it was coming. And so when he is introduced to this man, Jesus, and recognizes this is the man that all the prophets were pointing to, he gets mega excited. And so he runs to Nathaniel and says, listen, we found this man who all the people in history have been waiting for. Well, why have people been waiting? Well, these are the central themes of the Bible, the central character God, the central theme relationship, the central purpose. You and I can know him. And we had in that first reading, didn't we, from John chapter 1, this verse, which many of us will know, the word, which is speaking about Jesus, that first Christmas became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That means that God in his fullness came and entered time and space in history to be like you and I. And why did he do that? Well, one of the names given to Jesus' his birth was Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Jesus' birth was planned all those years before. The prophets were acting as a signpost, pointing people forward to a time when this baby would be born and his name would be God with us. Christmas wasn't an accident, it was planned. The second thing we see in the Christmas story is that Jesus' birth divides opinion. I don't know whether you love it or hate it. Marmite markets itself on loving it and hating it. You may say, absolutely disgusting. I don't want to have that on any of my food. I don't want to go near anyone else who does. You may hate it. You might be like me, you might love Marmite and think it goes on pretty much everything that's hot. But actually, the more I reflect on Marmite, actually it's perfectly possible to sort of not love it or hate it, but just be kind of not sure. It's just Marmite. I don't really spend much time thinking about Marmite and occasionally I might eat it, but I'm not particularly bothered. Well, it's just like that with Jesus, isn't it? You might say, hate him, don't want anything to do with him, I don't want anything to do with God and religion, church, I'm just here because my family forced me to be here because it's Christmas Day. No, thank you. But you might be like some people who, I'm not really that interested, but I'm not really bothered either way. Maybe, maybe there's something in it, but I'm not sure. I could eat Marmite, I couldn't. I could have Jesus, I couldn't. I'm not sure. But here's the difference between Marmite and Jesus Christ. Marmite doesn't offer you much more than a bit of satisfaction and some seriously bad breath afterwards. Look at what Jesus offers you. 
That reading told us in John, through him, Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. That is something amazing that we reflect on this Christmas. That God is offering you and I life. But Jesus' birth still divides opinion. It says here in uh, chapter 1 verse 10, He, Jesus, was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Now that's not in the sense of not seeing him. Uh, imagine you all decided to dye your hair ginger tomorrow, and your friend comes to you and goes, Oh, I hardly recognize you. What have you done? Or maybe you have um, got in the gym and you got really fit and you're looking completely different. And your friend says, oh, I didn't recognize you, you're looking great. It's not that sense. The next verse really helps us understand what not recognizing Jesus really means. It says, Jesus came to that which was his own, that's this world and the people he created, but his own had not received him, hadn't accepted him. So to not recognize Jesus isn't to do with his physical appearance, it's to do with not acknowledging who he is. God's king come to earth. Well, we know that some people, just like they love Marmite, love Jesus, and they do accept what he says. And so there was Philip, who came and ran to Nathaniel with great joy. We found the one that everyone's waiting for. But of course, there's always skeptics, and Nathaniel was one of them. He goes, Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Well, Nazareth was a region in the north, and uh, if you lived in the city, you sort of thought everyone in Nazareth was a bit of a country bumpkin. Uh, the Nazarenes weren't even allowed to go into the synagogue and read the Torah, the law of God. Uh, they were seen as sort of second class, and they had their own kind of dialect. So if you were from Nazareth, everyone knew. But they came as sort of second class. And when Philip says, the one that we're waiting for is from Nazareth, Nathaniel just goes, that's not possible, because nothing good could come from Nazareth. Perhaps as you think about Jesus and you hear that he's a saviour, he's a king, you're thinking, well, he was born in a stable and it was 2,000 years ago. It couldn't be relevant to me. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And so we just reject him outright. But the great tragedy is if you reject Jesus, you're missing out on so much. You're missing out on so much. And more than that, one day we'll all stand before our maker and we'll have to answer for him to him for all the ways that we've turned our back on him the one who's given us everything and we've said thanks but no thanks to face an eternity without a good God who's the source of everything that's good is a terrible place to be and even though he holds out life to you and I he still divides opinion because some like Philip come running with excitement but others like Nathaniel are still sceptical well, Jesus' birth was planned. Jesus' birth divides opinion. But here's the last thing for you to think about this Christmas morning. Jesus' birth, too, is an invitation to you. Nathaniel says, in Nazareth, nothing good can come out of Nazareth. But Philip is more confident than him. So he just invites um, uh, um, his friend, Nathaniel, and just says, come and see. Come and see. You've got an opinion of Jesus like you might have an opinion of mine, I might love it, hate it, not really sure, but come and see for yourself. Well, in this church, in the new year, we're going to have an opportunity to come and see. We're running a, a six evenings over some food, just giving people a chance to come and explore, come and see. Who is this man? What's it all about? Why do you meet at a church every Sunday? What does it mean to be a Christian? I really encourage you to come along. If you're a skeptic, if you're not sure, 
It's a great opportunity to think a little bit more about what Christmas is all about. But do you know something? Every single one of us wants to be loved, don't we? We all want a sense of purpose in our life. We all want to know joy. We all want a sense of security for the time when we die. None of us want to guess where we're going or have fear about that. And the amazing truth that the first Christmas brings to all of us is that that, those answers for our greatest longings are made true in Jesus. Notice how the reading goes on, verse 12. There were many who reject him, but he goes on and says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, and to believe isn't just intellectually believing, but really implies following and trusting, he gave the right to become children of God. Perhaps your view of God is some distant deity, not interested in your life. But God came to be with us, Emmanuel, because he is interested in your life and he loves you. And this Christmas, he wants you to know that. And notice how the reading goes on in verse 13. What does it mean to be a child of God? It says here, children not born of natural descent. That's saying it's not about having a heritage. You were born in a Christian family or a so-called Christian country or went to Sunday school when you were very little. And it's not of human decision or a husband's will. In other words, human effort. I read my Bible and I'm a good person and I give money away. It says you become a child of God because you're born of God. That means it's a gift that God gives you in your heart that changes you on the inside. And it's the most amazing gift that he offers every one of us this Christmas time. So as you go and enjoy today and celebrate this Christmas and as we go into the new year, I just want to encourage all of us to remember that Jesus' birth was planned. God always intended to send his son as a saviour for the world. Jesus' birth is divisive. Some will follow, some will ignore. But Jesus' birth, most importantly, is an invitation to all of us. So I want to wish you all a really happy Christmas. And perhaps just ask you that question this Christmas. Will you come and see Jesus? this Christmas but I just challenge you if you've never thought about who this man Jesus is why don't you just take a bit of time over this Christmas to think about it for yourself because I promise you when you fully understand who he is and accept him as your Lord and Saviour your life will never ever be the same again well on behalf of our church can I wish you all a really happy Christmas a great fun day with your family and friends and every blessing to 2016 let me close with a final prayer Oh, come, let us adore him. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us today to do that, to remember all that Christmas is about. And as we go back to our families now, and as we share presents together and great food, may we recognize that every good gift comes from above. We thank you for all this day means to us. And would you keep those who are traveling now safe? Bless us this special day and keep us safe and fill us with your joy and your peace into 2016. Amen. Amen. Shall we sing We Wish You a Happy Christmas?